Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your outlet? Welcome, everybody, to episode 138 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne Seno, also joined by Connor Hurley. Um, Hurls, uh, I think we missed last week, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. Not much news going on, but we're back. Well, uh, not a lot going on last week, but since then, uh, definitely some noteworthy stuff, stuff, especially today. Obviously, we're going to kind of, you know, uh, what, what would they say? Cross the streams, you know, a little, little Ghostbusters action here and talk some bills after last night's uh, interesting loss, uh, to say the least. And um, obviously, some other news that also um, obviously affects it, you, whether you're a Sabres or a Bills fan. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, via the Spit and Chicklets podcast today. Uh, Paul Bissonette, better known as Biz, and uh, Wit Ryan Whitney, uh, kind of, I wouldn't say broke the hockey internet today, but broke some news uh, on their latest podcast about Mike Babcock, former Detroit Red Wings coach and Toronto Maple Leafs current coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, and I don't really know where to go with this, man, because there's a lot of different reports over the last couple hours, and you know, I, I'm not sure how much you've looked into it, Hurls, but there's definitely some noteworthy stuff in here, right? I mean, like, we know how his tenure in Toronto ended. Um, real ugly uh, breakup between the two. And he hasn't been in, ho- in pro hockey since up until this season when he's been pretty much gifted a second chance. So what do you what, what do you make of all this? So as just a little bit of background, um, basically – it is uh, alleged that Mike Babcock, the new coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, took uh, players' phones in their introductory meetings in the offseason and asked to see their uh, camera roll and pictures on their phone uh, that they had recently, that they had throughout their history, or I'm not sure how far back, but allegedly he wanted to see pictures on the phones of the players on his team to find out what type of person they are, which for a variety of different reasons, if that is true, is extremely weird, um, very off-putting. And based upon, I guess, what you heard about Mike Pabcock's tenure with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the way that he treated people in the locker room and how his tenure ended, um, Potentially not that surprising. So I guess when this news uh, dropped today, I think a lot of people are like, wow, that 
that sounds like Mike Babcock. Like this guy yeah. is a narcissist. Um, he seems to have rubbed a lot of people the wrong way off the ice throughout his career. Uh, largely, I think it's pretty much accepted that he's a really good hockey coach, or at least he was for a little bit, both with the uh, Maple Leafs and Team Canada and throughout his time coaching hockey. But with something like this, it's almost unheard of. And it speaks to uh, who he allegedly is as a person. Now, uh, the Blue Jackets and Mike Babcock have flat out denied that this happened. They specifically even mentioned Spit and Chicklets by name in their statement, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, they usually would just like come out with a generic statement uh, addressing the story, but they went right at it. So um, who's, to, who's to say? I wasn't, I wasn't in that room. I weren't in the, I we weren't in those meeting rooms, so we don't know exactly what happened. But Mike Commodore, uh, former player who played for Mike Babcock, came out and said that this type of thing happened with him. Yeah. Um, and that's as good of an indication as any. So I'm not really sure what to think, uh, other than it seems like there's a pattern here with Mike Babcock. Yeah. So I, he's knows? very old school, that's that's for sure, right? Like he's just, you know. Um Invasive for sure. Um, I'm not going to deny that he has a great hockey mind. He is. There's no denying it. The guy has a an immaculate track record behind the bench. And whether, whether you want to say it's because of those great Red Wings teams he coached, or how good they were, anybody could have coached them, whatever. He has a great track record both in the NHL and at the international level. No doubt about it. But as time changes and things evolve, you have to kind of learn how to evolve with them. And Mike Babcock really never has evolved. And, you know, compared to when me and you were growing up playing hockey, the thing, they things were done compared to the way they are now, it's much different in the way you handle players, the way you develop players, the way you talk to players, the way you discipline players. Um, it's, it's a lot different nowadays. And for better or worse, um, I've always heard the quote, as society, you have to sometimes walk as slow as your slowest person, you know, to try and keep things moving along. And it's just the way it is sometimes, whether you, again, whether you agree with it or you don't, it's just the way society is. That's the way we have to have to go about life. Um, and Bab, like Babcock hasn't done that. Um, and now with this, and I just want to say how weird of a position Boone Jenner hasn't been put in because that guy just wants to play hockey, right? Like he just wants to be the captain. He wants to play hockey. And now he's been kind of tossed into this situation uh, where he's got to stick up for his coach, a guy who he just recently, I mean, I'm sure it's not the first time they've met, but it's one of the first times like, Hey, he's actually called him coach. Like this, this is my coach. And now you see him going out of his way to like kind of stick up for his coach and they haven't even dropped the puck yet. Um, so I definitely feel for him. <laughs> Here's my take on it. I mean, if all the players are cool with it, which allegedly Paul Bissonnette says they aren't, but if this is just a situation where you're kind of pulling up a few pictures over the offseason, oh, ha. But if you're, like, looking at his phone and you're scrolling through it, like being, you know, invading that player's privacy and doing more than, you know, what you initially told you were going to do, then absolutely, man. Like, that is insane. No. Like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, that, that you should not be doing that. No way. 
but if this is just looking at a few pictures of the players, says, yeah, check out, you know, this is my wife, my family, my kids. That's fine. Like, yeah, I, I, I show pictures of my nephew, my godson all the time. I don't care who it is. Like, I, I, you know, they're, they're adorable. Uh, but if this is a situation where he's going beyond what was permitted, then he needs to be held accountable again. Like whether it's firing suspension, having to make a public apology. That's just my take on it. And again, I was interested to see where this went with Columbus, you know, ha- you know, obviously they, they got Adam Fantilli in the, uh, in the draft uh, was, you know, the best college player to, you know, come out and say since Jack Eichel uh, guy was an absolute, you know, electric factory uh, this past year. Uh, you know, they have a lot going for them. Um, and I have a, a world-class goalie still and Elvis Merzinklins. I was interested to see what Mike Babcock could do with this roster. And now it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. Can we just move on beyond this? Like, 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 can we, can he just coach? Can he just coach? Can you worry about back checking? You worry about four check. You worry about a power play, a penalty kill. Like, why are we now talking already before we even drop the puck about off ice stuff with Mike Babcock? Yeah, this doesn't seem like the type of thing that would get him fired, um, to be honest. But if this becomes a pattern and there are more off the ice issues, like it absolutely could. Um, And as you said, like the Blue Jackets are in a really tough position. They hired him in the interest of uh, turning this team around. They obviously really fell below expectations last year after signing Johnny Goudreau to a massive free agent contract. And they've got a lot of talent and a lot of expectation uh, given that they haven't really performed well throughout their history. So bringing in a guy like that, who you at least hope will do that this season, potentially give him a shot at the wild card. Uh, yeah. It's, it's troubling to say the least. Um, but yeah, in the interest of not going too far down the road of speculation, who knows? And as you said, if it was true and if it was anything more than like, mutual interest or just like a friendly sharing of pictures unprompted by the player or completely their decision to do it as Boone Jenner said maybe like his wedding or something like oh like take a look at this and it wasn't Mike Babcock specifically asking me like here uh we're in my office now we're airplaying your phone onto the screen and you're gonna go through your most recent pictures that feels like allegedly they were being held hostage in an interest of trying to find out something about uh, these players that would have nothing to do with how they're going to perform on the ice. So yeah. And not mention there's probably a lot of private pictures on there too. Yeah. I mean, mean, any, any, any discussion related to that is just insane. So I hope it's not true. Knowing Mike Babcock, it very well could be definitely a 50, 50 shot. It's true. And yeah. And now that it's out there, it's going to walk on thin ice. No pun intended. No, it just, again, I I remember those Red Wings teams he coached and how good they were. And then, like, I remember when it was down to Buffalo and Toronto as who's going to be the next head coach of the Buffalo Sabres and how angry Tim Murray was uh, when uh, he was essentially made to believe that Babcock was going to choose Buffalo and then, Lucky for us, I mean, I, I mean, I don't even know, honestly. Like, it's not like it went great for Buffalo after that, anyway. Uh, we're, you know, we get Dan Bilesma instead, correct? Dan Bilesma, 
Um, you know, it yeah, I, again, I, I don't know, but anyways, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I would, I guess that I was really, I was really, you know, I want to use the word excited, but I was like, yeah, Mike Babcock and Columbus, let's see what happens here. Let's see if he, you know, kind of like, kind of like what Lindy Ruff did. Lindy Ruff was never as extreme as Mike Babcock, but he was a guy who was very old school in Dallas took some time away from being a head coach, learned to evolve, and now look how well he's doing in New Jersey. You know what I mean? Uh, the players seem to love him. They embrace him. Uh, I remember when P.K. Subban was w- with New Jersey. Like, P.K. spoke very highly of Lindy, and that's a guy that is very polarizing himself. You know, kind of thinking, will Mike Babcock be able to evolve in the same respect that Lindy Ruff did with New Jersey and become successful? Uh, Right now, I'm going to say no. <laughs> like, I'm just going to say no. Flat out say no. Um, but if this all tends to be untrue, and it really was just, hey, let me see some pictures of your family and kids. You know, I'm interested. You know, we were, then, it, you know, that's not that out far-fetched to me. But if it goes beyond that, and to your point, if it's sitting in his office, looking up at his, like, asking him players to explain these pictures, then like, like like they're like they're having a background investigation to be with the state police because that's what I had to do <laughs> when I was trying to be a New York State police officer. My background, I had an investigator take both my phones, my work phone and my personal phone, and he literally went through all of my videos and all of my pictures, and it was evasive. Like you didn't realize this coming. It's like holy shit, like this is real. He went through all my social media. It was definitely like, yeah, <laughs> like I, I felt. I'm not going to say, like, I felt invaded a little bit. Like, that's those are my private pictures. Those are my private videos. That's my social media. Those are my conversations. He looked at everything. So um, if it went beyond just looking at pictures of, you know, family and kids, then, yeah, I definitely think uh, he needs to be held accountable to some extent. So, uh, but getting past that, um, obviously, uh Last week, you know, we we did not, um, we kind of decided to put the episode off because we were kind of still waiting on a Darlene slash possibly Owen Power extension to be announced. Um, still haven't gotten that. We're still waiting. But Andrew Peters from the After the Whistle podcast, formerly of WGR 550, Sabres alumni, did uh, tweet out a rumor that he had heard um, that, Darlene's going to come in at eight years at 10.5, which is a half million more than what was originally projected uh, for him to sign right on July 1st. And here we are on September uh, 12th, and we're still waiting to find out what, you know, when is this going to get done? When is it going to get announced? Is it going to be with Owen Power? Um, Is it 10.5, 10, 11? What is it going to be? Um, I think the deal's probably been done for a while, personally. Uh, I think that they're probably waiting to try and get Owen Power done, especially after the the, the uh, Jake Sanderson deal was announced. Now that they have like a good idea of like a landing point, so to speak, of where they want to get him at, what number. Um, I think they're trying to get both of them done at the same time, so they can announce them at the same time. Yeah. I would say so too, um, especially in Darlene's case. Like that seems like very, very similar to what we thought in terms of market value. Uh, that would put him at the third highest 
um, average a year value in terms of defensemen in the league. Uh, I think it's behind only Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty. Obviously, Drew Doughty at this point, probably a little bit above what he deserves to be making at this point in his career, but that's just the contracts that you're given when you're a two-time Stanley Cup winner. Still very good, but he's not at the level of Eric Carlson and Rasmus Dahlin. And probably a lot of other guys deserve to make more than that. But I think Rasmus Dahlin is very, very deserving of being the third highest paying third highest paid defenseman in the league, given his age, his projection, and what he's already done. Uh, specifically yeah. the last two years, um, both offensively and defensively, what he does for the Sabres is almost unlike any other player in what they contribute to their team in the entire league. He is the linchpin uh, on the power play. He's improved his defensive numbers. Uh, everything about his game has improved. I would say right up there with what he was projected as is the 2018 first overall pick. Everything you imagined about him has come to fruition and possibly more this season and years and years uh, beyond that, given the type of team that this is, an offensively driven team. So I don't think anybody should be surprised, upset, frustrated, anything related to Rasmus Dahlin's contract. He deserves his money and he's going to get it. And it's just a matter of, uh, of when, not if at this point. Um, I've had discussions with friends that maybe they think that they're waiting until training camp to announce it just to get everybody excited for the season. They've done that before. So um, potentially that's the reason. And then, like you said, Owen Power, uh, I think the Jake Sanderson contract obviously potentially changed his market a little bit. Uh, I forget exactly how much a year he was making, something like a little under eight, correct? Uh, um, I think it came at 8.1. Okay, a little over eight then. Which yeah, is like 8.1, which honestly, if you look at their numbers side by side, you know, Jake Sanderson, he was like a minus, he was like a minus 15 or something. But I mean, I think Owen Power had a couple more points than Jake Sanderson, but Owen Power was also playing more minutes and uh, he was like a plus 10 or I, I we have to look at the numbers, but you know, I know people don't take plus minus very seriously, but that's a big difference. Minus. Sure. We'll just throw this out. Minus 10 compared to plus 10. You know, I'm, yeah. I don't know the numbers exactly. That's a big difference. And that's, you know, that means that's a, that's a big, big difference. And um, I think if you can get, I would say if I were to guess, Owen Powell would probably come in around eight seven five for eight years. Yeah, I, I could easily see that. Um, and if it's projection based, like probably not too much more, given that he is twenty years old um, and still very very young in his career, going into his second season. But yeah, he largely projects to be better than Jake Sanderson, and he already is. So yeah, who knows? Like I don't necessarily think they should have to announce both at the same time. They are different players. Um, Obviously, similar paths in terms of being number one overall picks. But Rasmus Dahlin is your potential future captain. Um, I don't think that you want to risk like potentially making him frustrated by the fact that it hasn't been announced. Like, I just, I don't know. If, if it's done and both sides have agreed upon it, uh, what's, what's the hurt in just like getting it out there? The home opener is a month from tonight on October 12th. Um, you only have so much time to uh, get news out there, especially when there's not much going on right now. Um, I think it would be a big emotional boost for the fan base um, to know that that's done and relieve any type of concern that like may be out there at this point. Like, I don't think there, there should be 
Uh, but you know how people get, especially in Buffalo. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I don't think there's anything to be concerned about. And if it does come in at eight years, 10.5 a year, it's a great contract. Happy to have them. And yeah, excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Um, also obviously, um, you have to take into consideration too. Uh, um, I, I saw some comments like they, you know, expect Owen power to come in at 9.5. There's just no way. I think you're paying Owen Power only one million less. I mean, I'm sorry, paying Darlene. You're paying it. You know, what I mean, like there isn't enough. To, there, he hasn't proven enough in his first two years to warrant nine point five million a year to be paid only one million less than you know your franchise defenseman. Not saying that Owen Power can't be a franchise defenseman. He's a first overall pick, but there's just no way you're paying that guy only one million less than a guy like Darlene who could be your next captain, who's been a leader and has developed so much under Don Granado. There's just no way that guy's getting 9.5, not a shot. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That's just not going to happen. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be smart financially. Um, it would probably piss Dalene off. <laughs> like it would, it would do a lot of different things, but yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I, you know, um, and again, I'm not saying that Owen Power isn't, a nine and a half million dollar defenseman. I truly think in two years from now, he is a nine and a half million dollar defenseman. But right now, you can't justify paying those two guys only like what have there been a only a one million dollar gap between the two of them? Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, and by the time power is Dowling's age, like his contract may turn out to be a bargain, which is a good thing. And like sometimes these situations happen when you're the product of who's on your team and who's ahead of you and what the market is at that time. So I don't think Owen Power is going to be pinching pennies about whether he's being paid 8.5 versus 9.5 or 10.5 yeah. or anything else. Like he seems like a humble kid, good upbringing, $8.5 million a year in Buffalo, New York makes you one of the richest people in the entire region. So <laughs> I think it's, it's not that big a deal and it's just he'll be happy to be on an up and coming team. And by that point, a couple of years down the line, hopefully a perennial playoff contender. So yeah. I think it'll work out. Uh, we are 30 days away from opening night against the Rangers. Um, obviously a lot of expectations, um, you know, a hot, lot of high expectations, whether it comes to, you know, <clears throat> Devin Levi and Nat, um, the expectations for Tage Thompson uh, going into his third, you know, potential breakout year after having two, you know, 35 plus goal seasons, um, Darlene, you know, who's the captain. There's so, so many storylines to write about this team going into next season. Um, but with that being said, we do have development camp and training camp within two weeks, like two weeks away. And we have been given um, rosters, so to speak, who will be at development camp, who will be at training camp, who is participating in development camp. Uh, we already know that Devin Levi will not be at development camp because he's concentrated on Sabres, you know, with, uh, on Sabres training camp. Uh, Lucas Rusek will not be at development camp because he's concentrated on making the Sabres roster. Um, you know, are you, I mean, are, are, what are you, who are you looking forward to most to challenge for a spot on this team outside of the obvious, like Kulik, uh, Matthew Savoy, Zach Benson? Are there any kids that kind of stand out to you, girls, where you're like, you know, 
I'd like to see him finally make a run at it. Like kind of like uh, what's his face? Weisenbach guy's always kind of been there. He's always at development camp. He always seems to perform well enough, but just not well, but not well enough to get a look like maybe you might expect to see Lucas Rusek get uh, finally um, to possibly the jump to the main roster. I would say given the nature of the team and where the strengths and the weaknesses are, I think the clear weakness last season in the past few years is obviously the defense. And I think the name that a lot of people are excited about as a potential young uh, and intriguing option is Ryan Johnson. Um, If Ryan Johnson can impress at the prospects challenge and development camp and training camp and work his way into that sixth defenseman role uh, in lieu of potentially a guy like Henry Yokiharu or who knows at this point who's going to be there, but in combination with uh, Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton and Mat- Matthias Hamilton and Owen Power and Rasmus Dallin, if he's able to come in and be that young rookie defenseman for the team this season and uh, perform at a level that uh, I think we all know he's capable of, he was an incredible defenseman at the University of Minnesota. You see his capability in the offensive zone and on the power play, and if he's able – to be sound defensively and be a good third pair guy. Like I think a lot of people would love for him to win that job. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's a, a logjam. It's a logjam on that third pairing. Like we really don't know what we're, you, I think you're, you're safe to say that Eric Johnson is one of those two guys, right? hundred percent. Sure. You don't sign him. I mean, unless something goes horribly wrong and he pulls Avante Davis on us and is like, you know what, man, I'm just too old. I'm just beyond this. I'm done. Um, but you have Yoki Haru. You have uh, was it Stillman, right? Stillman. Yeah. Uh, you, you have Ryan Johnson gonna try and you know compete for a spot. You know who is it gonna be? You, you mean you, you shift off Labushkin? He's gone, so that's one less body you have to worry about. But who is it gonna be? Like Henry Yoki Haru is on a legitimate hot seat right now. I don't care what anybody says. That guy should really be feeling the heat right now because it is not a given that he is going to win that position and be on that third pairing. Because I think Connor Clifton is on your second pairing. We already know who the first pairing most likely will be. It'll probably still be Darlene and Samuelson to start the season. It's going to be Owen Power and probably Clifton Clifton on the second pairing. Who is in the third? Eric Johnson and who? Henry Yokiharu needs to come in and have the best training camp he's ever had because – if he doesn't, and Ryan Johnson shows flashes, we know that Kevin Adams and Don Grinnell is not are not afraid to give their youth a chance to to win a roster spot and to you know be in that starting night uh, opening night lineup. Yeah, and as you said, the obvious contender for that twelfth or thirteenth forward spot, obviously Yuri Kulik, Zach Benson, Matthew Savoy. Um, you hear Victor Noichev's name being thrown around there as a, as a guy with a really high ceiling, a really good shot and scoring ability. Uh, probably not going to make the team this year, but he's at least someone to keep an eye out for. And then up and down that prospect challenge roster, there's probably guys you've never even heard of that uh, a lot of the scouts are saying really good things about. Uh, the best thing that the Sabres have going for them at this point, aside from the offensive upside of the top of the roster, is the depth of the prospect pool. Uh, They've been bad for so long that they've been able to draft and develop a lot of different types of guys uh, playing in leagues all over the world, very good leagues that have produced at very high levels. So to see them all out all on the ice at the same time in a couple of weeks, I think is going to be really, really interesting. 
And uh, yeah, we'll see who separates themselves. But yeah, the obvious guys, I mean, Yuri Kulik probably has the best chance, um, especially with Jack Quinn out for the first half of the season, potentially with his injury. Um, I, I think, think that's, I think that's Victor Olsen's spot personally. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. Like a lot of people are saying that Yuri Kulik is a, higher upside, better version of Victor Olofsson. So if he can beat him oh, out and not, uh, you see not, what happens. but I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just stating that Victor Olofsson is on this roster right now. For sure. And if you intend on trading him, the only way you get the value you want is by playing him. And that's oh, why yeah. I think he would start the season over, uh, uh, over Yuri Kulik, just uh, for that fact alone. No, no, I, I agree. I think they probably already tried to trade him and they were unable to, especially yeah. around the draft and free agency. So, yeah, there might not be a market given his contract uh, yeah. and the fact that he's kind of a, a one-trick pony. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, I would say Kulik probably is the best chance and then Savoy and Benson, and then you you go down the line from there. But yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be, yeah, be Lucas, Lucas Rusek, who was uh, in and out of the lineup as a call-up for the, for the Sabres. Um, he... Uh, you know, he's been a good – I think he scored on his first shift. Yep. He definitely scored his first game. I think his first shift. His first shift. Um, you know, you know, show, has shown flashes, you know, a good all-around player. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. But as right now, the forwards, um, the forwards uh, that will be at development camp, Zach Benson, Matteo Constantini, Riley Fiddler-Schultz, Aaron Huglin, front of the program, Alexander Kisikoff, uh, Jacob Konechny, uh, I'm going to butcher some names here, everybody. Viljami Marjala, <laughs> Ethan Madima, Oliver Nadeau, Victor Noichev, Noah Osland, Joel Rakovic Bernstone, uh, Bernson, Bernson, I, I again, uh, Jake Richard, uh, Steven Sardarian, uh, Lawson Shirk, Linus, Linus, Sodine, <laughs> William Von, God damn it, Kevin Adams. These names. This is a tough uh, exercise. No, I would, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't kill yourself over this. Like Anton <laughs> Wahlberg. Well, I'm trying to put, pay some respect to the players. Anton Wahlberg, and on defense you got, damn it, <laughs> Chris uh, Yarndrick, Ryan Johnson, Sean uh, Kiani, Matt Matt Lindgren, Albert Lixenen, <laughs> Lixenen. Uh, Gavin McCarthy, uh, Claire, I think Clarence native, yeah. um, Nash, uh, Ninaus, Nikita Noivikov, Norwin Panuka, uh, Nicholas Savoy and Max Strebick. And in net, you're going to have Nathan Ari, Josh Fleming, uh, not this past draft, but the, uh, uh draft prior, uh, in 2022, uh, goalie Tobias Linum. I think I Linen, I believe he was the second round pick. Uh, this year's uh goaltender that we took in this draft, uh, Scott Ratzloff. Uh, and then TJ, <laughs> it's this, this last name, Sem Tim. It's spelled S E M P T I M P H E L T E. I'm not gonna try it. I'll let you all who watching, you can try it. But that is your development camp roster brought to you by Dwayne Stein. I'll, I'll hang up and listen. You can butcher me for the mispronunciation all you want. Uh, but that is your development camp roster. <laughs> yeah. Was a, lot of, a lot of names there, as I said, from all over the world. So yeah. 
Uh, it's a diverse and talented. We even talk about Jacob Bryson when we we're talking. Yeah, about I was gonna say uh, Jacob Bryson is another name, obviously. And given that Labushkin is gone, like he at least has like a puncher's chance. Uh, but given his build and his, I would say lack of defensive awareness and skills in the D zone, uh, I think that he has a pretty long shot of making yeah. the Rochester. Um, um, the, the roster. I said the Rochester. The He's Rochester. likely going to be in Rochester. So. Yeah, and you know what? Um, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And skating ability, he has. You know, yeah. that's his puncher's he's chance. A very talented player, but yeah, just he's I don't think he's an NHL defenseman. It's all up here for that kid, and it's size. He's not. He's just not. It's not a. Not that you have to be big to be in the NHL these days. Like you know, I think guys like Cole Caulfield have proven that size sometimes doesn't matter if you have the skill. Yeah. Um, I think he's a phenomenal skater, but I just don't think he has it all together up here. Hockey IQ wise to really compete for a starting position in this lineup. Um, other news today that broke this morning, uh, you know, and we'll end it on this is concerning to say the least. Um, we talked about it in our group chat. Uh, some stuff came out about Terry Pagula today. Um, on the heels of obviously uh, a Bills loss, which we'll talk about right after this, but uh, Terry Pagula kind of accused of essentially being a racist. Um, there is a lawsuit pending against the NFL. Um, what's his name again? I'm sorry. Uh, Jim Trotter. Jim Trotter, yes. Jim Trotter, you know, uh, uh, making uh, in this lawsuit, naming Terry Pagula as one of the owners who have taken steps essentially to, you know, discriminate against people of color in the NFL, whether you're a player that you know, a player executive, you know, analyst, like he was with NFL, the NFL, like essentially just, you know, calling out racism. And he quoted Terry Pugula as being one of the, he was one of two owners that were quoted Jerry Jones being the other, but Terry Pugula. And again, this is his, these are allegedly his words, not ours. Uh, if these black is it these black people don't like it, they can go back to Africa and see how bad it is there. Um, I, I don't know if that's verbatim, but still very damning, um, inexcusable, unacceptable rhetoric from not even just an owner, but anybody for that matter. Um, but there's been other reports coming out, and and I tweeted it out like almost like I press send, and then I think like seconds later. The Bills and Sabres came out with statements from Terry where he denounced all of it, said he's, you know, absolutely appalled essentially that his name would be brought into this, that he's never said those things, that and there's no place in today's society. Um, what are your thoughts, Connor? I know we discussed it in the group chat, but I mean, I'll say this straight out. I have been one of the biggest critics of both Terry and his wife in the past. Everybody knows that. Like I, I'm not shy about it. Um, I've, I genuinely have said in the past, I think in some way, shape or form, the Sabres are for sale to an extent, some type of stake in the team. Um, and I'm fine with that because I don't think that the Pagoulas can handle running both franchises. But with that being said, Terry Pagula has always kind of seemed He's not a very outspoken person. He doesn't speak in front of the media. He, you know, he seems very reserved. I, I was talking to him again, uh, talking to somebody whose name I name I won't, uh, I won't, whose name I won't say, but um, 
reserved, but also awkward. Um, he says things, I think, without meaning. I'm not saying that's what this is, but at first, my first thought when I read this, I have a hard time wrapping my head around Terry Pagula saying something like that. I just do. Yeah. Um, similar to the Mike Babcock situation in the interest of not speculating too much. Yeah. Given the fact that I wasn't in the room, I wasn't on that call. I have no idea. And I don't want to go down that road. Um, it's obviously very concerning if, if yes. anyone were to have allegedly said, said that, especially an owner of, in this case, more relevantly, an NFL team compared to an NHL team. Um, but just anyone in the community, anyone that represents both franchises, uh, that would be a fireable offense, to say the least. Got it out. So, who was it with the Clippers? The owner of the, Cl- the uh, Clippers, Donald Sterling. Now, granted, like it was almost was like a, a by the way, a TMZ Sports exclusive exclusive yeah. back in the day. Yeah, that which was like that whole thing was wild. They had him on tape too. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that's what this comes down to. If there is a recording of this, um, then any statement that the Sabres and Bills released today would automatically become even worse. Uh, so, I don't know if there is, to be honest. I, I don't know anything, but they better hope that there's not. Oh, this was um, released. By Catherine Fitzgerald about seven hours ago. It was uh, a story behind the whole thing. Um, But I'll pull it up on the screen here. In in this day and age, I know this from the line of work I'm in. Yes. There's usually recording. Yeah. When something something comes out, there's usually a video. Especially when the story gains traction. Videos and recordings come out after the fact. So if it does exist... I wouldn't be surprised if it does see the light of day. Yeah. In which case, in which case that would put the ownership of both the bills and the Sabres into limbo. limbo, Very, very would would complicate matters for a variety of different reasons. So I'll say that I, I, I would say that the bills and the Sabres and for everybody's sake, his family, fans of both teams, anyone really, they they better hope that there's no recording of this. Because if no. there is, um, as you as you brought up with Donald Sterling, there there could be a Donald Sterling situation. Yep. So, so I'm gonna, I I have the article up right here. Um, let's just get rid of these ads and stuff. Um, Title from again, this is from it was shared by. Uh, Catherine Fitzgerald on Twitter. Uh, looks like it was written by Stephen Watson seven hours ago. Lawsuit accuses Boatless co-owner Terry Pagula of making racist remarks. He denies claim. Uh, it goes on to say it was criticized. Uh, Buffalo Bulls co-owner Terry Pagula criticized the rise of the National Football League player protests against racial injustice by saying unhappy black players should go back. We already covered that. Pagula in a statement released by the team said the comment attributed to him in the filing is absolutely false. I am horrified that anyone would connect me to an allegation of this kind. He said, racism has no place in our society. And I'm personally disgusted. My name is associated with this complaint. The remarks were included in a complaint filed against the NFL and NFL media in federal court by Jim Trotter, 
a former NFL media reporter who claims he was terminated after speaking out on the need to improve diversity and inclusion within the league. Trotter did not hear the alleged Pagula remark firsthand, but reported the account from of someone else who did. So there's some more clarity, or not clarity, but context. So this isn't coming directly from Jim Trotter. It's, you know, almost not a game of telephone, but I heard it from this person. Uh, lawsuit includes purported examples of demonstration retaliation, which were rampant in the highest levels of the NFL. Trotter said he first learned of Pagula's comment when another NFL media reporter mentioned it on a company-wide Zoom call in 2020. The reporter recalled the conversation during which Pagula spoke out spoke about the recent rise in social activism by NFL players and their support for the Black Lives Matter movement, the lawsuit states. The unidentified reporter shared on the call, according to Trotter's complaint, that Pagula has said, again, I won't repeat it, uh, this remark was so offensive and racist that the people in the meeting appeared to be frozen, unsure of how to even react, Trotter said in the complaint. A league source told the Buffalo News that the alleged comment was thoroughly investigated, including interviews with Terry and his wife and corner Kim Pagula, who both denied the statement and every other person at the dinner where this conversation purportedly took place. So apparently there was a dinner again. I, again, this is, you know, just from glancing at this, at this article, uh, there was a dinner where this was said in front of a reporter, I'm guessing reporter then took it to a zoom call and then the zoom call made it back to Jim Trotter. Sounds like that. Sounds like a lot of, he said, she said, Again, I'm not going to speculate it's true. I'm not going to speculate it's not true. But I will say, as I started at the top of this conversation, my first reaction was, it's hard for me to wrap my head around a guy who doesn't like speaking out on much, doesn't, seems very reserved, saying something like that. But with that being said, we've seen crazier. Again, I don't want to speak too much on it, but... We'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. Um, definitely concerning to say the least. Um, and I, uh, I hope, I hope and pray that it's not true, because um, our society, as I tweeted out earlier, like there's no place for that, um, especially with the year that the city had, with that resulted directly from uh, racism. Uh, we just, we just don't need that, right? At, at all, let alone right now. So, um, moving on. But, uh, again, we, I'm sure there'll be more updates to that story to come. But moving on. Uh, last night, uh, I'm assuming you watched the game, Pearls. No, I didn't watch what happened. Huh? I didn't watch what happened. You didn't watch the game? No, I didn't watch what happened. No, you don't want to – you don't want <laughs> to go down that road, huh? No, I watched. I know you watched. Yeah. Uh, another tough pill to swallow. I'm still like recovering from it, both physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, like the, there were questions about this team coming into the season. And I think no one thought that Josh Allen was going to be one of them. And for him to, almost single-handedly lose the game. I wouldn't say almost. He did. I, I, to single-handedly lose the game in a situation where Aaron Rodgers, the champion of the offseason, 
one of the more stunning and impactful injuries in the history of the NFL. For that to happen in the same game, for him to go down without even attempting a pass, four plays in, for them to get up 13-3, to be absolutely, I wouldn't say humming by any means because the Jets' defense is very good. He'd already thrown a pick before halftime. Uh, but for Josh to play outside of himself to the point where it looked like rookie year, Josh Allen from five years ago, it, it felt like it was like a dream sequence. Like I honestly still can't believe it even happened. Like the entire game, you knew it was going to be a weird game. You knew it was going to be a crazy game. Somehow the bills always make things interesting, but for that series of events to unfold the way that it did, is truly mind-boggling. And I think you look on the bright side and you say like, yeah, like it's week one and you're happy it, it happened when it did. I personally am. I'm, I think he can recover from this. But his press conference last night, you take it back to another Jets performance uh, when Sam Darnold said it looks like looked like he was seeing ghosts. It looked like Josh Allen was, he just was had broken. A blank he was a broken man at that press conference. Yeah. He said he cost the team the game. He had this glazed look over his eye. He said these things before, and obviously they haven't yeah. fully changed yet, but he needs to grow up. Dan Orlovsky um, said this. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's what I'm referencing, yeah. actually. I, I I totally agree with Dan's uh, uh, thoughts on it. Josh, as polarizing as he is, I don't think there's any arguing, man. He's the greatest athlete we've seen in a long time in Buffalo. Just, just we've seen him do things at court we've never seen a quarterback do before. The guy can run sideline to sideline, throw across his body, and still put the ball on a string. He runs like a gazelle. He leaps like he leaps over people with ease. We haven't seen that from a quarterback. No. A guy who has all those tools in the toolbox, and the only tool missing to an extent, I'm not going to call him dumb, is what's going on up here, like. If he can just, like, you know, imagine how good he would be. How much, not how good, but how how oh, phenomenally better he would be if he had, like, the mindset of, like, a Peyton Manning or a Brady. Well, I mean, or, we, you know we, I mean, like, just can think the game through. Like, we saw it in the, in the 13-second game. Like, his ceiling, Ooh. when he's firing on all cylinders – is Patrick Mahomes are arguably even greater given his physical ability. Like he's a better runner than Patrick Mahomes and he arguably has a stronger arm. And yeah. if he makes the right decisions and plays within himself and doesn't smash all the buttons at the same time, I think the best example last night was uh, one of the scrambles in the third quarter, I think, where he, he was seven to- yards from the first down and he tried to jump over three Jets defenders yeah. without a shred of a doubt that he was going to make it to the, to the first down line. No chance. Rather than, rather than sliding, rather than going down, or even one time he could have easily got out of bounds and he like lowered his shoulder into the defender like he was yeah. Thurman Thomas in the 90s. Like nothing about what he said he was going to do or what the coaching staff has preached or anything else translated to last night. Like maybe he was like caught up in the bright lights of the big stage. He wanted to prove a point, especially with Aaron Rodgers going down, but that's him being selfish. That's him trying to uh, be the Madden cover guy to be the guy that is now dating an A-list actor. Uh, 
everything about that performance last night honestly felt very selfish from his perspective, uh, which is really, it's, it's shitty to say because we all love him. Like the guy has done so much for this community, changed the course of the franchise. But last night, aside from his rookie season and maybe even 2019, was the single worst performance of his career. Probably the worst given where he had, where he's at in his career right now. And it's got to change really quickly. Otherwise, like this season could be over really, really quick. Yeah. And you try and find silver linings. There are silver linings in that game. How about the fact that he played his worst game of his career and you still lost in overtime against the best defense in the league? Sure, that's a silver lining. Leonard Floyd looked great. Greggy Rousseau looked great. Stefan Diggs wanted out of Buffalo. Diggs. Looks incredible. <laughs> looks fantastic. Um, Dalton Kincaid yeah. looks like an absolute beast. Um, and then you have uh, you know, Cook. James Cook looks great. When they yeah. utilized him, they utilized him the correct way. It looked great. But you're still asking the same questions outside of what we just talked about. You know, and then, uh, another good point that was brought up. Um, Ken Dorsey obviously is receiving a lot of heat. Um, but it doesn't seem like... Obviously, the creativity is not there. It's not what it was with Brian Dable. The relationship's not quite where it's at. But he doesn't seem like he's coordinating Josh Allen. It doesn't seem like he's coaching him yep, to the point, the point where he doesn't feel like he needs to do these things. On all three interceptions, he could have taken the check down. He could have ran for the first down or out of bounds, punted it away. The Bills would have won the game without question if he had not forced it into double or triple coverage all three times because he thought he could make the play. Similar to what, to what he did in the Vikings game when he tried to force it in the end zone after an elbow injury. It makes you question if the elbow was completely healthy. Um, I hope that it is uh, a UCL injury, especially for someone throwing the ball. You see it a lot of time with major league pitchers who eventually get Tommy John surgery. It's a very troubling injury. It's not easy to come back from. And I don't think that they would hide that type of thing. Um, and he has had significant amount of time off this off season, but he didn't look like quite the same guy with quite the same zip that he has previously. So I pray that everything's all right. But if he goes out there against the Raiders on Sunday and does similar types of things, this fan base and the media is going to turn on him really, really quickly. And yep. it's not going to be pretty. No, it's not. Uh, listen, I, um, to, to the point you just made, I want to transition to that is we as goalies know what it's like to go down that rabbit hole when you're not playing well, right? Like it's just, it's so hard to overcome. Obviously the season didn't end the way he wanted his, the second half of this season coming off like his first seven games where he was like, I think if you would take the vote right then and there, he was winning NFL MVP like the first half of the season. And then an injury happens. He plays through it, you know, you know, ups and downs, emotional roller coasters, and then you get absolutely, you know, plowed by Cincy in the playoffs. Um, listen, I uh, I know what it's like to get inside your own head, and it's almost like that quote from uh, The Replacements, Keanu Reeves, when they ask him, what's your greatest fear? And he says, quicksand. Like, you know, when you're you're just sinking and you don't know how to dig yourself out, you know, quicksand. I, 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 you know, I, I look at Josh Allen and I feel like he's in a little bit of quicksand right now and he's trying to find a way out of it. Um, maybe to not to that extent. Uh, but 
his issues are not physical. It's not accuracy. It's not ability. It's literally upstairs. And how sometimes how do you get out of your own head? And to your point, Ken Dorsey, does this include him coming out of the booth, coming down on the field, coaching Josh from the field? Like, I mean, you, you saw it multiple times last night. McDermott was looking at him like, be smart. Like, yeah. Every, every time a ball is snapped, I have like a kind of like superstitious uh, tradition where I say like, be smart, Josh. Like that's all he has to do is that's just be smart last night. and take, no. take the play. Even that fumble after the Jets went down and scored, Garrett Wilson's like unbelievable catch. First play, it was a motion right in front of him. He was potentially going to do an RPO, and he looked away before he caught the ball. One of the most athletic dudes in the world looked away, and he missed. And then he got it back, and then he fumbled again. Mm -hmm. So he clearly was so, so rattled to the point where his brain was not working. No. Um, And honestly, even if he comes out – and throws for 350 yards, four touchdowns, runs for another one, no picks, uh, no bad decisions on Sunday against the Raiders. Forget about game. Forget about That's game. not necessarily what's going 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 to inspire confidence. They are probably a bottom oh. five defense in the league. Uh, so no, honestly, like, I, I'll be happy about it. Of course, they need to win the game. It's almost a must win at this point. Um, but he's going to need to do that against the Commanders the week after on the road against a, one of the best defensive lines in football. Uh, he's going to need to continue to do this and make smart decisions against good defenses because the three worst games that he's had in the past year and a half are all against the Jets. Yep. When, arguably one of the best defenses in the league. So, of course, I want him to get right against the Raiders, but that's not what's going to make me feel good about him. Yeah. Well, it's going to make you feel better for sure. Uh, yeah. But at make this you point, like, do we – Want a regular season bound off a loss against the Raiders at home in the home opener, yeah. or do we want to it, see it, him? It's not, even just re, it's not even just rebounding, rebounding off a loss, it's just a rebounding off a loss like that because that wasn't like a normal loss. Like, no. you know, I mean, it's not like when we lost that one Monday night game against Tennessee at the goal line off a fumble, like because everything before that, Josh was playing well. At no point, I think maybe there were two or three drives in this game where Josh looked good, like Josh looked. Like good. I mean the final drive of regulation. Yeah. The op- yeah, I think I'd say the opening, uh, not the opening drive, but the second drive uh, that led to the Stefan Diggs touchdown. Yeah. There's one other drive in there, but you know, coming rebounding off a loss like this, that again led to that post game interview where we have heard those things from before, but you just saw the blankness in his face. It's like it's like he didn't have any answers. I, it's going to make me feel a lot better because yeah. you got to get him mentally right. And, you know, sometimes playing against a very, very below subpar defense uh, in the Raiders, you know, hopefully get that chemistry flowing. We already saw he definitely has it with Stefan Diggs. He absolutely had it with Kincaid. Like, he, him, I thought, you know, the balls he threw to Kincaid were on mark, uh, uh, you know, on the mark. Um, I'd like to see them use him more in the middle of the field you know, next on the sidelines, because that's where, you know, he played phenomenally well, uh, you know, as a slot guy in college. Um, but, you know, uh, Gabe Davis, you know, that guy, you got to get him going. Um, Hardy, a guy who brought in to be your speedster, got to get that guy going. Um, and, he, and McDermott even said today when they asked the question, he's just like, do you need about his thoughts on a, a, a second wide receiver to compliment Diggs. He's like, yeah, we need that. 
And I don't know if that was insinuating that we don't have that right now on or uh, Gabe Davis, or if that's him trying to light a fire under Gabe Davis. Um, yeah, you need that compliment. And you need your offensive line to start stepping up and playing better. Spencer Brown, I mean, inexcusable false start in overtime. Inexcusable. I mean, regardless well, how he's, much. He's arguably the, the weakest link on the entire team. Yeah, he, he just hasn't panned out. And Bean has not had a good track record of drafting on the lines. He just hasn't. Um, you know, Torrance looked good though, uh, which is which is good. Um, Osiris, Osiris Torrance, the uh, the starting right guard. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yes, for sure, for sure. But we've just seen, you know, we've seen too many misses from him uh, since drafting Josh Allen, at least sure. the first few rounds. You know, Elam, healthy scratch. That's guy needs to be in your starting lineup in his rookie season. And right. he's all these scratches too. Thankfully, Christian Benford looked great. So yes, yes. So. If you miss on one, thankfully you hit in the the sixth round. But uh, yeah, man. I uh, with that being said, I'm personally going to hammer the Bills minus nine and a half. I feel like this is potentially going to be uh, one of those like insane blowouts that they that we've come accustomed to in recent years, uh, especially coming off uh, a loss like that. They're going to, in my opinion, have no mercy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I could be wrong, but I personally don't think the Raiders are very good. They barely beat the Broncos, um, who I believe are not great at all. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a good day, Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning here. And, uh, yeah, then we, can, uh, then we can move on. Yeah, for sure. Um, final thoughts? Oh, I think that's it for me. Um, about a month left. Saber season coming up soon. We might need it if, if the Bills are not performing the way that we expect them to. And going into both seasons, I th- I said it before, like I'm way more excited for the Sabres regular season than I am the Bills because the Bills regular season at this point is is, is somewhat irrelevant until they perform in the playoffs. Yeah. So I uh, I can't wait for development, prospect camp and training camp to see who makes the team. Uh, Devin Levi, mainly, as we've mentioned many, many times, uh, it's going to be amazing to see the progress that he's made this summer, especially with some of the videos that we've seen from, uh, from his goaltending school, um, in yeah. the past few weeks. So yeah, I'm listen, so, I still have, this, I still have the save of the off season. I don't care what he says. Yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> he absolutely does. Um, so yeah, I'm so unbelievably excited to watch the Sabres. I uh, can't wait. Yeah. Got a month, a month left, so everybody else should get start getting excited too. You said you're going to be in town for the state home opener, didn't you? Yeah, well, we're going to be we, there. We've so. already got our tickets, so you better get get to that game. We can sure fucking yeah, we'll get there. You know, we got some connections back home, yeah. so yeah, we'll figure it out for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much left other than again, can't wait to watch start development camp. I'll try and get down there and watch some of the some of the drills and scrimmages like I did last year. It was a good time, and then obviously. Uh, uh, training camp in itself should be fun. The, 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 I'm sure they'll do the blue and gold game uh, like they normally do. We'll you get a good look at what the rosters and the competitiveness is going to look like heading into night one uh, come October 12th. So with that being said, uh, this has been episode 138 of Two Goalies, One Mike, brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case on Georgia Boulevard. When you get over there, tell them the boys from Two Goalies, One Mike sent you, and they'll take care of you. I am Dwayne Verhurls. We will talk to you next week.